the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. After the mess up, after the disaster, the Holy Spirit of God described David as a man after God's heart. What does God want from you? He wants your heart. And no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, you've not gone too far. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Are you prepared to make the right decisions in the heat of the moment? Do you have defenses that keep you from making the wrong decisions in the heat of the moment? 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man, but God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he'll also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Did you know there was a way out for David? And there's a way out for you. Again, I've been doing this a while. A lot of times I've heard things like this. Pastor, you don't understand. You don't understand how bad my marriage is. You, you don't understand just the setting I was in. It was, it, it was the perfect setting for me to go in that wrong direction. You don't understand what I've been putting up with. And, and you're right. I don't live in your home. I, I don't walking in your shoes. But I know this. No temptations is common to man in, in which God has not provided a way out. Just as he did for David. So what you've got to begin to ask is what are the guidelines? What are the guardrails in your life that point you toward that way out? I, I want to answer the question we ask in the title of this message. Because I, I think it speaks to this moment in David and Bathsheba's relationship. How far is too far? So this is relevant if you're a, a child or a teenager or a young adult that's unmarried. It, it's relevant if you're in a marriage relationship. It's, it's relevant if you're a parent or a grandparent and you may be talking to those who will one day be married. How, how far is too far? What's okay to do? How, how far can I go in a physical relationship and in a relationship with another person? Here's the first thing. It's too far when it's wrong. <laughs> we complicate things that don't have to be complicated. So I told you, we have the authority of Scripture. What does Scripture say about a sexual relationship? According to Scripture, you've only got one alternative. This is not me. This is the Word of God. According to Scripture, the only appropriate place for a sexual relationship is between one man and one woman in the context of a marriage relationship, period. That's the only okay 
that's not me pointing out one group or, or one person that says, well, what about my feelings? Or I feel like I was born to, to think this way. No, no, no. Either I base my life on the authority of Scripture and let that be the guidelines and the guardrails, or I don't. And just this morning, did you know that just this morning, I read that one in six of the current generation of students, Generation Z, it's called, one in six consider themselves L-B-G-Q-T. I think I got it all right. Now, why is that relevant? We've got truth. So you've got to decide in your life, am, am I going to base my life on the truth of Scripture? Am, am I, I going to base my life on what Scripture says is what, what's right and what's wrong? And when I do that, all of these emotions that we feel in the heat of the moment, they don't matter. For example, um, I, I've, I've, I've had people look at me and tell me this as their pastor. Pastor, I know this doesn't look right, but I'm confident that God brought me together to be with this person. Let me just tell you something. It will never be God's will for you to be with another man's wife or another woman's husband. That's not the way it works. God's not going to do that in your life. Don't suppose things on him that are not from him. Sexual fulfillment is a legitimate God-created desire. But that desire has to be met and fed in a legitimate way. David was without excuse. It was too far. Let me give you a second thing. How do I know when it's too far? It's too far when it's unwanted. It's too far when it's unwanted. And again, this may be in a dating relationship, but guess what? This could be in a marriage relationship. If... Any kind of activity is not wanted by the other person, then it's gone too far. So remember how I told you that David um, was up at the highest point in the city? I've, I've actually stood at what would have been his palace, and you look down on the city. The other reality is that David was king. And you know what that means? Everybody in his kingdom had to do what he said. I remember hearing about this and thinking about Bathsheba out taking a, a bath in the public and and maybe even reading that and thinking, well, man, how could any man withstand that temptation? She's out there on the roof taking a bath. When you read the story, th- this wasn't a sexual time for her. This is a time of cleansing and probably not an enjoyable time of cleansing for her. And yet in that moment, the king commanded that she come to him. It's an abuse of power, abuse of authority. It was unwanted. How do you get help if these things are kind of weighing heavy on you right now? Let me just give you a couple of practical ways before I move on. Number one, you need boundaries in your life. You, you keep from going too far in the heat of the moment by having boundaries outside of that moment. 
So let me just make it real practical. Some of the ones that Kimberly and I have, we both know that, that we won't be alone with the person of, of the opposite sex. We both know that anything in our digital footprint is available for the others to see. And that means our text, our emails, our calls. We're on Facebook together. Say, man, that's kind of silly, Pastor. Well, I'm just telling you, 30 years, in the last 20 years, dozens of affairs that have begun because of a high school or college relationship rekindled through, get this, Facebook. Now, those of you that are younger than me and and our teenagers and our, our college students, man, it's way past that, isn't it? There are now digital apps that are created just for the purpose of you hooking up and having an illicit relationship. So, I mean, obviously, part of your boundaries is don't have those apps. (laughs) Just don't do that. That's wrong. Then there's accountability. Accountability only works if if you want it. I remember hearing years ago uh, in the late 1990s, you know, in some ways, the president of the United States is the most accountable person on the planet. Everybody knows everything that they do. And yet we know from history that even the president of the United States can push that accountability aside and do whatever they want to even in the Oval Office. But you need to have those persons that can ask you the tough questions. What are some of the tough questions? Are you being faithful? Are you honoring Christ with your thought life? Are you looking at porn? You know what's crazy? Back when I started my ministry, an overwhelming percentage of the people that looked at porn were men. Now that's changed. It's still a little more men. But now women are viewing porn almost as much as men. And psychologists as well as medical professionals have told us that it's, it's literally rewiring the brain. And not only calling, causing relational dysfunction, it, it causes damage that is hard to be undone. Are you putting yourself in situations you shouldn't be in? All of these are questions of accountability. But before we move on from this, I, I want to address something else that's a problem among many professing Christians. I, I grew up in churches, as I've mentioned, and man, I, I think often because of that, we're taught so much about purity that, that sometimes a sexual relationship is looked at as it's something that's hush-hush and can never be dealt with. That's not the biblical way either. In, in fact, God created this relationship. That's why I think it's interesting that, that the second son of David and Bathsheba, Solomon, he wrote more about sex than anyone else in the Bible. Isn't that interesting? Listen to what he says in Proverbs 5. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone, not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Now that's poetic, but it's pretty straightforward. Sexual pleasure is part of God's purpose. But sexual pleasure has a right place. 
It's that marriage relationship. But sexual pleasure is something that it's okay to be passionate about. <laughs> be intoxicated with her love. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. So we've been heavy for a few minutes, so I want to lighten it up just a moment and, and do something I've done in the past, but give you just some practical application because some of you are looking for a path forward, and particularly if you are in a marriage relationship, you, you, things can grow cold, and, and you want to say, you know, what, what can I do to help things out and to encourage this right kind of physical relationship? So, men, I, I'm going to give you a list. Now, it's, it's a list and a long list, but this is a list of things you need to do if, if you want your wife uh, to be satisfied and, and to be ready for this uh, physical intimacy in marriage. All right? You ready, guys? Uh, so this works every time. I mean, this is a, a list. So here's what you need to do, how to satisfy a woman every time. You caress and praise and pamper and relish and savor and massage and empathize, serenade, compliment, support, feed, tantalize, bathe, humor, placate, stimulate, stroke, console, purr, hug, coddle, excite, pacify, protect, phone, correspond, anticipate, nuzzle, smooch, toast, minister to, forgive, drip, dry, knead, puree, fluff, fold, ingratiate, indulge, wow, dazzle, amaze, flabbergast, enchant, idolize, worship, and then go back, Jack, and do it again. Now, I could go on and on, but that's a pretty good list. Ladies, I don't want to leave you out. So I've also comprised a list of, of what you need to do if, if you want to satisfy your man every time. All right, the exhaustive list here. Uh, you do this, it's gonna, he's going to be ready for that physical intimacy every time. Okay, here we go. Show up naked. That's it. That's it. That's all you got to do. I wanted to take you a little bit on this emotional roller coaster because I want you to understand this is a problem. And it's a problem because there is this legitimate desire that's being met in illegitimate ways. The solution is that this legitimate desire is met in the legitimate way that God designed. Back to David and Bathsheba. So you had the danger. Then you had disaster. Disaster took place when David tried to cover up his sin. And it's also interesting to me that, that it's Solomon who wrote these words. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen: Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. And, and I would just say, man, 
if we've gone through this first portion of the message and the danger lights are flashing or, or maybe it's beyond danger, it's turned from yellow to red and you've done some things that are dishonoring to God or are not right in your marriage relationship, the time to stop is now. Stop covering that up. Because here's what I know. What we cover will one day be uncovered. But what we uncover can be covered by his grace. Amen. That's who God is. I read these words of Jesus yesterday. Nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you've said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And what you've whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. So so stop covering up. And, And that brings me to this last word. You have danger, then you had disaster. And, you know, some of you are in the danger zone. (laughs) Some of you are in the disaster area right now. Where I want to get you is to devotion. Because an amazing thing happened as a result of God's grace. The Bible teaches us that about a year had gone by. And God sent his prophet, the man of God, to King David, a man named Nathan. And Nathan looks at David and he proposes this story. And the story is about a rich man in the kingdom that takes advantage of a poor man in the kingdom. And the rich man who had all these sheep and all these cattle and anything he wants, how he went and he found the one little lamb that the poor man had and he stole it. And Nathan, the man of God, looked at David and he said, what do you think we should do to that rich man? And David says, you go get him right now. I'll I'll take care of him. And then in verse 7, Nathan looks at David and he says, David, you were that man. That's you. And an amazing thing happens here in 2 Samuel 12. King David, the guy who started out with a heart for God, and he blew it. He blew it big time. He realized that he had not gone so far that he could not outrun the reach of God's grace. He recognized he was wrong. And so in verse 13, it says, David said to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord's put away your sin and you shall not die. If we had time, I'd tell you all about the consequences of this moment. The son that was conceived, that child did die. And to be honest, David's other children It was like there was generational sinfulness because of what he had done. It was a family mess. But in this moment, what I want you to get is in David's individual life, there was a way back. Some of you are here, you're in the danger zone. You're you're playing with fire. There, There are people that are listening to this message and, and you're, you're either already in an emotional relationship you shouldn't be in or maybe it's gone physical, but you're playing with fire. Some of you, it's already the disaster area. Your marriage is hanging on by a thread or it's gone or it's just a disaster. How do you get to devotion? How do you realize that you're not too far gone for God? There's several passages in Scripture that, David speaks to this season of his life. One of those is Psalm 32. You should go read that. 
But I want to read a little bit from Psalms 51. It's believed that this is David's prayer after that meeting with Nathan. Listen to what he says. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you've broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold within me a willing spirit. And some of you, you've let that danger zone lead you to disaster. And now there's all kind of problems. You've got depression. You, you're discouraged. You're probably physically ill. All these things that are coming into your life because of this. How, how do you turn back. David gives us a guideline. He gives us an outline. First, you got to confront the problem. You got got to realize it. And for some of you, you look in every relationship in your life is a nightmare. And if that's the case, that might be a clue that you're the problem. Confront the problem. Then, then even in the midst of that, David was able to see the goodness of God. And, and after you get heavy like we've been, sometimes you just got to take a step back and say, thank you, God, that you've not abandoned me. Thank you that you're present. Thank you that you're the creator and I can see evidence of you all around me. And then I begin to confess clearly and completely. Confess means I agree with God about my sin. Confess is more than saying I'm sorry. Confess is a recognition that I've, I've violated the holiness of God. And, and that's why David says against you and you only have I sinned. Do you understand that? God's the only one who's holy. Of course he had sinned against Bathsheba. Of course he had sinned against Uriah. He had, he had sinned against the whole nation of Israel. But God's the only one who's holy. And then he embraced his brokenness. Are you broken? Are you remorseful over your sin? Man, we've raised five children, and it's not unusual we have a discussion about something that's been done wrong. You know, for example, my, my little princess, she does something wrong, and I see her lips begin to quiver, and tears begin to come down her eyes. And she'll go, I'm sorry. And sometimes I'll say, no, you're not. She'll say, what do you mean? And I'll say, you're sorry you got caught. But I don't believe you understand that what you did was wrong. So this week we had that conversation. I kind of disciplined her over something. Her chin began to quiver. Tears began to come down her eyes. And she said, I'm sorry, Dad. I said, no, you're not. She said, yes, I am. I'm not just upset that I got caught. I realized what I did was wrong. (laughs) Are you broken? When you get to that place, then you can seek God's presence. Oh, God, don't let your presence run from me. Just give me 
Give me more of you, God. See, if you're not broken, then you're just going to hide it from God. You're going to be like Adam and Eve in the garden, covering up with fig leaves. But when you're broken, you say, God, I need you now more than ever. And then you can cry out, restore the joy of my salvation. Just rest in the restoration of God. That's what I want for you today. That's what I'm going to ask you to, to come and, and commit your life to in the next few minutes. But before I do that, let me just make it real practical before I pray with you. See, there's application of this in our interpersonal relationships too. There's some words you need to learn to say that will help you get through these seasons of brokenness. You ready for them? I'm going to say them first. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Not, not, I'm sorry, but you know. I'm sorry. I was wrong. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.